0: thanks for downloading this episode of on comedy writing the response to our first episode with joe saunders was so great that we decided to release two episodes this week so there's gonna be one today and there'll be another one on our regular day wednesday this episode is with Devin field he's a really funny ucb guy he writes for workaholics and billy on the street uh, i i had him on the show because his herald team zuzu is my favorite herald team at ucb and i was uh, extremely happy to get him on the show here it is <laughs> Devin, where are you from? I'm from Seattle, originally. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Pacific. Pacific Northwest, we go. call it. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I've, and there's a good amount of us at uh, in L.A. now in at UCP and doing stand-up and stuff. Yeah. I feel like I meet a good amount of people from Seattle.
0: Yeah? Right down here. Yeah. Is there a good uh, good comedy scene down there? Or?
1: There is, yeah. And uh, it's really, especially with stand-up, it's really expanded in mm-hmm. the last, like, kind of since I moved... In two thousand eight, um, the the scene, the stand up scene particularly has gotten bigger. Kind of the way all those like local stand up scenes have done, right, like yeah. Portland and Austin and all Denver and all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. there are all these you know uh, non L A, New York or Chicago cities that now are like viable places to scout for comedy talent. I think particularly with stand up. Yeah. So I think that small town thing became a thing in like 2008. And so when I go back, the stand up is like really strong. Um, people really show up to like watch comedy. There's a lot of comedy fans in Seattle and um, improv too. They had, uh, they have an improv theater there called the Jet City Improv Theater that was right. right near my high school. And they have a couple other improv theaters too, but that's sort of the main legit one and that's i don't know enough to say that that's the only <laughs> legit improv theater in seattle but um it they had some really funny stuff and uh that was kind of how i was first introduced to like improv was through that um and they get good like touring acts uh so yeah it's a good comedy town mm-hmm. i think it's just like one of those kind of it's it's one of those like cities that has a lot of comedy nerds yeah. you know i think any kind of like any one of those like slightly more like reading based <laughs> cities or like tech nerds you know who are listening to podcasts and things like that uh i think are into that kind of stuff
0: right yeah yeah kind of upper class
1: yeah the we're one, just an upper class the one percent yeah sure. us one percenters in seattle <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a good comedy town.
0: Yeah, so you lived there your, uh, your entire childhood? And... Yeah.
1: I Well, I well, I didn't. Why would oh. did I say yes? I was born in Seattle and lived there until I was like one year old. And then my family moved to Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh. Uh, my mom was a professor at a college there. Uh, and so we lived there until... Until I was like seven, seven or eight, maybe. Uh, and then my dad got a job back in Seattle, so we moved back to Seattle. Uh, and then I lived there until I was 18. Uh, yeah, and then moved down here for college. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, so a little bit of East Coast time at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, not you know, as like a child. Yeah. <laughs> so not as much.
0: Did you, uh, were you doing comedy stuff when you were... Uh... Uh, like in high school and stuff?
1: Yeah, I was. I started doing stand up freshman year of high school okay. um, because I had a buddy, Sean McCarthy, who's a stand up in New York right now. And he was a year older than me. And my high school would have these open mic nights that were like once a month that were um, uh, like put on by like the creative arts department. Uh, and it would be mostly like singers, songwriters <laughs> and like slam poets. Uh and then Sean would do like 5 minutes of stand up. And my brother took me to one of those when I was still in middle school and I was already such a like I was just watching Comedy Central like hours and hours a day and just
0: like What well, what were you watching? Like what was that?
1: Saturday night live reruns for oh, sure. Yeah. Like that I definitely they were rerunning like they were rerunning the best Saturday Night Live stuff for me, which was like Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Like they had his whole era and he's so my guy. Uh, and then they had um, like early 2000s, like Will Ferrell stuff. Right, was right, like they yeah. were rerunning the more recent stuff. And so I think both of those are like killer eras of SNL and they were rerunning them constantly. And then they were just rerunning um, stand-up specials all the time. Mm. Like that was when they were really... Recycling, like I must have seen that one Jim Gaffigan half hour like a thousand <laughs> times. Like they played that all the time, or like Dane Cook's first uh hour, they played constantly.
0: I remember, I remember Dane Cook's half hour was on like all the time. Yeah, the one that where he's one? like black tank top, yeah, and he's like yeah. sweating, or he's yeah. like covered the water. He pours water yeah. all over
1: himself at one point because he's doing a bit. I think that special is very good it was entertaining uh, i, I remember, know there's yeah. a lot of i've like, seen it in forever i know there's backlash at him now but i thought that special was yeah, yeah. i wonder how it would hold up but i remember really liking it yeah. he pours water all over himself because he's talking about the alien in the movie alien and he's like it's always wet and then he just pours water all over <laughs> himself I'm like this is a solid bit um but so yeah, so i was watching that stuff all the time do you
0: ever uh it was like late night with conan o'brien running every day i guess they did yeah i, I did see a healthy i just distinctly remember that. that and then it was like i was wondering if i just dreamt that no never that's saw it no that must
1: have been i think that was of those reruns the that was maybe what i watched the least but it was definitely mm-hmm. there because i definitely yeah. have like i definitely saw different like bits of yeah. his that still stick in my that mind. was
0: before they were doing much like Original programming. So it was like pretty Mm -hmm. much all just... Yeah. eh. It was kind
1: of right at the end of we're just a comedy rerun channel and right at the beginning of like, hey, The Daily Show is about to start. South Park is like taking hold in a bigger Mm way. Um, So I was just like watching that all the time and was a big stand-up fan in general, uh, you know, and would just like repeat stand-up routines like wholesale to friends and family until they told me to shut up. And so... (laughs) So when I saw Sean do it at these open mic nights, it was just like, it was this is like, it was <laughs> like privilege in a nutshell. Of it was just it was like so available to me. I right. was just like, yeah, no problem. Like I can go mm-hmm. do. St- Why wouldn't a fifteen year old start doing stand up right
0: now? Yeah, and then you did like Dan Cook's bits, right? Yeah, I did all Dan Cook's biggest things. bits.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I was doing really lame stuff about you know how boring chemistry class was, but um, <laughs> but it was good in that like I. It was like the same audience every. It was it was the craziest way to do stand up. Where it was the same audience every month, pretty much, and it was once one night a month was the only amount right. I was doing stand up. So I just wrote a new five minutes every month and only performed it one time. You know, like I did. I had no like. So it was good in the sense of getting me to write, but
0: the Louis C K. Yeah, to... I, I threw it
1: out <laughs> I <had> to start <laughs> from scratch on my new five. Um, but it was good in terms of just like. Just getting up and starting it. So that's when I started doing stand-up. And then I also started doing... I was doing like theater. I was like a theater kid. So I did a lot Mm -hmm. of plays and and acting and things. And then I started um, making sketch videos when I was like 16 or 17 with some buddies of mine in high school. I felt like that was such a thing for guys my age Mm -hmm. at in like what year would that have been? 2006 to just like make your... Um, Derek comedy video, you know, so like <laughs> yeah. we, w- me and a couple guys, some of whom I still work with here, um, made some sketches, uh, that are still available if you want to hunt for the bro company, <laughs> that was what we <laughs> called ourselves, it was before bro was really played out, uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that, those are sort of, um, that was my first intro to like stand up and sketch. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, improv, I did like twice in mm-hmm. high school and then focused on more in college. So yeah, I started kind of young with that stuff.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you went to college, you said here, mm-hmm. uh, what college?
1: I went to USC.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was very fancy. Uh,
1: it was fancy. I'm going to move this mic slightly so I can sit up a little more. Uh, yeah, it was not, it was great. I, uh, I, so I came down here in 2008 and graduated in 2012, um, and I was in the film school there and it was, uh, it was the best.
0: Yeah. Did you do just like general film production or? No, I was
1: in the screenwriting Screenwriting, program. Yeah. Um, because I think because of all those things that I had been doing because of sketch and, um, mainly because of making those sketch videos and just loving movies and TV Mm -hmm. And kind of having somewhere in my mind the thought of, like, well, I want to be a stand-up. I want to keep doing stand-up. And a huge piece of that seems to be the TV thing. And it's certainly, like, a great gateway to that. Um, so so some part of the back of my mind was, like, this would be a good thing to have to supplement any, like, comedy performance stuff I do. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to write TV and movies. Um so, I was, uh, I feel lucky in that sense that I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to do uh, when I was like applying for colleges. Mm-hmm. Cause he ended up in these classes with a lot of grad students who had sort of found it a little later. And I'm thankful that I didn't end up like. I do wish I had a slightly broader education of like general mm-hmm. liberal arts stuff, but I'm glad that I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to focus on. So, I ended up in this pretty specified screenwriting program mm-hmm. uh, that was, it's like the only. Uh, it's the BFA at, right. in the in film school there. So it's very, the curriculum is like you're just watching and writing movies and TV right. pretty much. You do a little bit of classes outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just uh, one of the strongest programs for that around. And, uh, and I think just by being someone who was like confidently interested in that, uh, I think that's kind of how I was able to set myself up to get in there. Uh, and then once I was there, it was great.
0: So did you, uh, you obviously wrote a bunch of, uh, screenplays.
1: I wrote a few. Yeah. None of which, not too many of which I really revisit. Right. Uh, I, um, it was, I got there right as I was leaving, they started this new push where they were like, we don't have enough comedy writing classes or, you know, opportunities in our curriculum. um, so they started a whole school of cinematic arts comedy push like the year I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just missed it, which is too bad because for like my thesis, uh, if you wanted to write a comedy, you had to write a feature screenplay. Mm-hmm. You couldn't write a comedy TV thesis. Cause the idea was like, well, it's a half hour. Like how do you take a year to write it? Um, but now that's available to mm-hmm. students. Uh, so I, so I ended up writing a giant screenplay that I don't think I'll ever be able to use. That was like, uh, it was like a Bigfoot comedy. It was like an action adventure, oh. like Shaun of the Dead, but with Bigfoot was sort of how I wanted to pitch it. Um, and I still like the idea, but it was one of those of like, what would have been smart was to write like a micro budget indie comedy right. that could have starred myself. Right, <laughs> but right. instead I was like, how about like a weird... 50 million dollar <laughs> impossible to make Bigfoot movie that no one would ever produce. Right. Um but there's also like sometimes you're writing just to have like the sample. Um so yeah, so I wrote I think I wrote like uh three movies and two or three pilots mm-hmm. over cuz you just like that's the coolest thing about it. It's just these classes make you write these things. Right. And I think it's like doing stand up in high school or like doing the four years of improv I did in college where I'm glad I was able to, like, I don't really revisit that stuff because it's not that good, but I'm glad that I was able to burn through the not that good stuff before right. I kind of hit the real world. You know, I think mm-hmm. that helps a ton. It's just like, I think about that a lot with, My improv at college was, I feel like I I was on a long form improv group there for four years. And I feel like I was like good, but if I were to watch tape, I'd be Mm -hmm. like, oh my God,
0: this is horrendous. Were you uh, doing any UCB stuff at that time or just doing uh, USC?
1: I was like, uh, I don't think I started taking actual classes until after I graduated, but it was already clear to me that particularly my improv group on campus this group second nature was sort of like a kind of feeder into UCB a Mm -hmm. little bit just because like um like Dan Lippert from Big Grande and also he was the director my freshman year so he was the first guy who ever like taught me improv which is the best he's the Mm -hmm. funniest um but other people uh around his time were like Jacob Reed and Justin Michael and all these other people who ended up like firmly entrenched at UCB so it was clear to me from pretty pretty early. We would go to shows, like this group that was a lot of Second Nature alumni, this group Fiasco, was winning Cage Match for a while. And so that was the first UCB show I went to, I think, was them at Cage Match. And um, yeah, so we used to go see them. So I had a sense of like, okay, USC stuff can... I was seeing UCB shows while in college, but one of my bigger regrets really about college is that I didn't get off campus more to see more shows or to try to do more shows or take more classes. Mm-hmm. But it's hard when you're just, like, locked into a college campus. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, But so I had a sense of UCB stuff, but I didn't really start taking classes until after I graduated.
0: And were, were you still doing, like, stand-up at this time? Yeah, yeah,
1: I. and that even slowed a little bit, too, just being on campus. But I, the Laugh Factory had this kind of comedy contest for USC and UCLA student comedians. And the first year they did it was, like, my sophomore year, I think, and I won... Um mainly just because no one knew what the competition was. <laughs> and, like <laughs> the the people I was it, it was not a stiff competition really, but uh so I was doing a little bit of stand-up through that and then tried to kind of keep it up, but kind of re sort of reapplied myself towards both stand-up and improv more after I graduated and was not living near USC anymore.
0: Right, right. That was kind of the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. After you graduate, uh, do you so you stay in LA? Yeah. Right. Do you get like do you have a job or do you?
1: I immediately started working at a production company that I had interned for, uh-huh. um, which was terrible. Uh, uh, were you
0: were you like an assistant? Or... I was the
1: receptionist. Oh, and I stayed that way the entire. I guess I was there like a year and a half, maybe almost oh, two wow. years. It was bad. It was really bad. But it was like a job pretty close out of school. They hired me like two months into the summer after I graduated. So that was just a huge relief just to be like, okay, I don't have so many of the people I was graduating with were really struggling for just money, just any employment. Um, but it was definitely just because like in college I had had an internship at, uh, the tonight show with Conan, uh, Uh, the brief window he had that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's sort of, I was, I was so excited. I was like, great, this will be, I'll get some kind of entry level gig at Conan after I graduate. But, um, he had like 40 interns and like all of right. them were like full time. I was there two days a week. All these people were working there for free, like full time. Uh, and so no one knew who I was. One of the, I was a monologue joke intern where I wrote like setups and, uh, did news research and wrote setups for the monologue writers. And, On my last day, the monologue coordinator passed a card around for all the monologue writers to like, you know, goodbye, Devin. And uh, someone, one of the writers signed the card, "Uh, Devin, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) So like, I wasn't able to get a job through that. So instead, I got a job through this much weirder (laughs) internship, just at this weird production company that was like half TV and film and half like music management. Um, so wow. they represented bands like Korn and the Backstreet Boys and, uh, sounds lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly. Yeah. Like they, I know they, that was the main reason the company was making money and they had a couple of TV shows. There was a, there's some cool people on the TV and film department there, but their music department was this weird monster that was just like, Hey, let's have Billy Corgan tour one more time. You know, <laughs> like it was just a lot of that. Um, so that was my first job right out of mm-hmm. school.
0: So going back to Conan, so you were like helped. You just wrote the setups, and then you just, yeah. And then you'd give like a whole list of stuff to the writers.
1: Yeah, it would. We would come in, and for the first like hour of the day, we would do as much news research as we could and pull. Uh, there were three of us, and we each had to come up with like twenty premises, basically. So uh-huh. you'd like read a news article. And distill it into one setup sentence of like, a man in Florida was caught, you know, having sex with his horse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that would be all you wrote. Right. And then you just hand a package of setups, a packet of setups to writers. Excuse me. And a lot of the writers would do their own writing. So a lot of the times they wouldn't. It was basically like a supplementary thing of like, mm-hmm. hey, writers, if if you came to work a little late today or whatever, like just go to our setups and just try to fill in the blank. Did um, you
0: um uh, get to watch them like in the writer's room like work or? No, no. I
1: was never in the writer's room, which was too bad. Um, and I think maybe if I had been able to stay there longer, I was only there a semester. I think if I had stayed there longer, I would have seen that. But really it was just kind of like that was my one responsibility. And then I was kind of done. But what I did get to see was the interns are the main audience for rehearsal every day at like one o'clock. So like he'd go through the monologue jokes and then if there was like one big bit or something, they'd run that. Uh, and that was great. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of thing was some of the interns would be like when the call would come out of like, okay, rehearsal time, they'd sort of roll their eyes and, uh, I was just always so, not everybody, a lot of people were excited to go, but I was definitely always like really excited to go to rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Even at its like lamest or worst, it was, you know, and it definitely becomes normal after a while to watch it. But uh, it was just really entertaining to me to see, to see how he rehearses and how, and what the bits are and and how he's talking with the writer. I don't know. I I just, mm-hmm. I loved just sitting in that studio and like watching him work like that uh yeah so that was that was probably the most like hands on the experience got, mm-hmm. but then like i the first night I wrote setups, um he ended up using one used a writer's joke that was my setup, yeah. but someone else's punchline, so it was the weirdest thing of like the first time I did that job, Conan said something I wrote on t v um but not the funny part was that yeah. what I wrote. So it was a weird kind of head trip, but it was a really good job. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I really liked all the people there and I still, then the weird thing is a lot of the people I interned with are now employed there full time. So oh, really? I kind of just missed as like writers thought. or, um, uh, I don't know if they're writers, but like different production people yeah. are like video editors or, yeah. uh, coordinators there and stuff. Um, yeah. So it was a cool place to work, but mm-hmm. then I did not get to work there after I graduated. Um, so yeah, I just had this terrible receptionist job where I was doing script coverage for people in the TV and film department and occasionally covering for them. But it was not really a place where you could move up at all or would lead to any kind of real stuff. So mm-hmm. after about a year and a half, I was finally able to just have enough money to get out of there and try to do some other stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. seems like it'd be a, a good job, though, to have, if you're doing, like, comedy stuff, because it's kind of, like, yeah very... Just, you know, I have to do this thing. You Mm -hmm. don't have to think about it. And then, like, you can just kind of do Yeah,
1: it was good in that sense. And that was definitely what I told myself. But part of the drag (laughs) of it was was it was, like, way out in Century City, which is, like, across town. So I had this, like, monster commute. But it was good if I was, like, out the door at 6 o'clock and, like, wasn't Mm -hmm. taking any work home with me. But I think just by working full-time, I was doing a little bit less comedy, but definitely better than, like, having some soul-sucking job that's, like, you know, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day or something. I can't
0: imagine like being like an assistant for like... Uh, yeah, exactly. ...those places. I, I mean, was, it's...
1: And I had a little taste of that being the receptionist yeah. and occasionally dealing with assistants and like some of the other assistants at the company and then when I would cover for them when I would be handling their phones, talking to other assistants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was just like not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was how a lot of my peers from USC were sort of trying to plan yeah. to break in. Uh, and I just knew a, I was never going to be a good enough assistant, <laughs> true. And, like no way. And B, um, I think I just wanted to hit it through performing rather than through, um, kind of working my way mm-hmm. in the company. I figured it'd be, I'd be more likely to have someone like maybe be taken by my stand up or sketches or something than, be the best assistant at NBC Universal and like work my way up that it just didn't feel like the thing that was gonna happen,
0: right? So, right.
1: so I didn't focus too much on like the work side.
0: So, you're taking UCB classes at this time, right?
1: Yeah, that was when I started. I think I must have started in 2013 or something, okay? Yeah, but I had like taken a few workshops like through my college group and stuff, so mm-hmm. I've been exposed a little bit, um, but it wasn't until after I graduated that I was doing like 101, 201, Mm 301, 401. Yeah, so right around that.
0: Who were your uh, teachers?
1: Who did I have? Um, Who's my 101? Joe Hartzler, I believe, was my 101 Mm -hmm. teacher. That was a cool class. Really funny people in that class, which is cool. I feel like 101 is the level where you're most likely to get just like wackos. Right, right. Or like actors or like corporate people who are like, I need to work (laughs) on my people skills or whatever, which is fine. But um, my class had like some really funny performers in it uh 201 i had brett christensen which was good that was a good class uh 301 i had jessica eason who is absolutely my favorite i had her i had her for 101 oh really yeah she's great yeah she's i i really love her style and i think she's just such a cool funny person and just a really good like confident i just like that she We're three 301 where everyone's brains are kind of breaking in terms of trying to figure (laughs) out the herald and and all these rules and she was really good at just like, you know, sometimes in these classes, you sit through these scenes that like two lines in, you're like, this is garbage, right, you know, right. and you're watching, you know, and, and they know it too. Or sometimes you're in that scene and you're like, <laughs> oh my God, like, what am I, you know? And she was really good at like, not letting it go past those two lines. Like we'd be two lines in, and it'd be weird. And she'd be like, no, stop. Why would you say that? Go back. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, I really responded to that style. Because to it was like, yeah, we're not going to waste time watching a scene that's going nowhere. We're going to like, let's get into what's good about it. So she's absolutely uh, one of my favorite teachers. And I think she was like kind of a big part of uh, why I got onto Harold Knight I think she might have been one of the more kind of vocal people on my side when I auditioned. Oh. And I don't know that for sure, but I hope that's true. It's, it's, it seems like that was the case. Uh, and then for 401... Who did I have for my first 401? I took a couple. Um, Boy, that's weird that I don't remember. Uh, I know I took Billy Merritt for an advanced study after that. Um, Yeah, I don't remember who my 401 was. That's embarrassing. Um, But it was good. Uh, And I had some good performers in that too. Uh, yeah, so those were my teachers, but mm-hmm. Jessica Eason was the takeaway for and, sure.
0: And you did uh, sketch too, right, or did you?
1: Not through UCB. Oh, interesting. No, I, I never did. I um, the sketch that I've done at UCB has only ever been through their Spanx system. Oh, interesting. So I've never taken a sketch class mm-hmm. or um, uh, done any stuff for MOD or anything. Any
0: like any that. reasoning behind that, or
1: um? For me, it was... Uh, I was just a little less interested in taking a sketch class. Okay. Uh, I knew I wanted to take the improv classes because I wanted to get on Herald Night, and I mm-hmm. liked the classes. Sketches, I was... That was when I was, like, way involved in my YouTube sketch group that I started, like, post-college mm-hmm. um, that was making stuff for Funny or Die occasionally and things like that. So mm-hmm. I didn't... F- uh, I just was less interested in, like taking a one-on-one sketch writing class. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I guess the, like, obnoxious way to say it is, like, I didn't think I needed it. Um, mm. Not to say that, like... Mainly just because, like, I feel like the big takeaway from those classes often is just, like, deadlines and just, like, people making you write sketches, which That's, is great. Yeah. It's the same in, like, film school and stuff. Uh, and I was writing sketches regularly. So right. I was like, mm, I feel like I'm doing... This, I I still, I'm interested now in maybe, like, taking some of those just to get into it and you know, have that available to me. Um, but also, I just, I didn't really want, in terms of, like, mod stuff, the mod night at UCB, I just didn't really want to be plugged into someone else's sketch system. I see, yeah. Given that the spank system is there where you can write your own show, mm-hmm. put it up and if it's good enough and you're somehow established in the community, you can you can go do it. So, yeah. once I got on Herald Night and that was even more available to me, I was just like this is how I'm going to do sketch at UCB is like exactly how I want to do it and my show. Right, right. Uh, you know, and hope that it's good enough and get feedback from the artistic director to make sure it's like a good UCB show, mm-hmm. but I'd rather do that than be plugged into the the system of a bunch of different writers and a bunch of different sketch performers and stuff. It's just a, like, preference thing for me, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd kind of rather do the... Because I'm more of a, like, writerly performer, you know. I don't think I'm as much of a, like, really strong, just, like, actor-actor mm-hmm. who could really benefit from, like, being on a mod team and, like, having some great writers write, like, good big
0: character stuff for you to do. That just
1: doesn't feel like my zone.
0: So you consider yourself more of a writer than a performer?
1: Uh Tough to say. I feel like right now, I'm trying to pursue performer as much as possible. I had always sort of planned. I was like, it's too silly to plan for like performer, right? right. It's too silly yeah. to be like, I'm going to be Louis C.K. or mm-hmm. I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live or whatever. Um, so the plan was always like, I'll be a performer and that's how I'll like... Have people ask who I am, and then I'll be like, But I'm actually a writer and hire me to be a writer. <laughs> um, but given since say, getting on Harold Night and then doing stand up, uh, doing my first TV appearance this last year and stuff, it's just like there's a it feels like now is like the one time where I should at least like keep going as long as far as people will let me mm-hmm. in terms because I do really love performing, uh, and acting and stuff. So uh, I'm, fo- I'm focusing on that a little more now, uh, but writing is definitely like the the bedrock, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just really like writing. All that stuff comes from me liking writing and perform. I like performing my own material. Mm-hmm. I have a harder time performing other people's material in sketch or short film or um, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think I just really like writing for myself. So they're kind of tied together.
0: How-, how often do you write?
1: Not as often as I should.
0: That's what everyone says. Yeah, exactly,
1: right? Um, You know, if I'm being realistic, uh, if I'm not, like, working at a... Because I just came off a writing job Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're writing sort of every day. Um, But if I'm not working, I'm probably realistically writing in a real way maybe two to four times a week which i need to just get to every day right Mm because that's just the discipline that the discipline has always been the hardest part for me Mm -hmm. um so i try to write a few times a week but i'm in a like writer's group with some people that i knew at usc and so we meet every three weeks to like talk about each other's scripts and stuff and i haven't sent in stuff to that group for a while because i've been working but Um, that's a good thing that kind of keeps me on some sort of track. And then I'm trying to get, I've got a real like stand-up writer's block right now. So I'm trying to sort of bust out of that. Um, and then also kind of working on writing a new live UCB show for myself and Jacob Wysocki, who's sort of my sketch Mm -hmm. comedy partner. Um, so yeah, sort of a few different things that I'm kind of trying to write Mm -hmm. at the moment.
0: So you guys, speaking of that, you did your did you did your run finish of No Hard Drugs? Yeah, we had
1: when you get a run for a show like No Hard Drugs, which mm-hmm. we started as a spank. You get once you get a a run, you get three dates, and then that can be extended. So we did six actual shows of the final product, but we'd been doing it on and off for like a year. So that la- that last of the six was last month, um, and so we're putting it on the shelf for the time being, mm-hmm. um, mainly just because we want to like write another thing. And I'm interested in writing another show that that was a show that was very um, marijuana based in terms of mm-hmm. like what the sketches and stuff were about. So I'm interested in uh, writing a new show for the two of us and one that is not necessarily contingent on like I don't want to have us be firmly established as like, we only write jokes about weed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's really boring if you can't do other stuff too. Uh, yeah. So our run ended to that recently.
0: Is it is it difficult to write like a themed show? Or like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because it's like, where do you start? I think it's just if something grabs you. I don't even really remember how Jacob and I arrived at that idea mm-hmm. where the basic idea of it was we were D.A.R.E. style anti-drug speakers going to a middle school... But we think hard drugs are bad, but weed is great. (laughs) Um, And I don't know exactly how we came up with that. But initially, that was just our framing device. And then there were, we had three scenes of us as those guys. And then there were two just sketches in between each of those. So we had four just sketches. And it was just a sketch show with a runner. And then we changed that to have it all be in this one assembly. So all the characters were just people coming in and out of that assembly. And that was really hard. And that was just based on like Mike still, who was the artistic director at the time, his notes and stuff. Uh, It's just hard to think of a show that way at first go. So we're kind of right now we're thinking about trying to do a similar thing and we're trying to pick like a place. Basically we're trying to pick a location and then see if we can kind of come up with some themes around that and, and structure it similarly to how we structured our last show. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it helps to have some kind of jumping off point. It's really hard to just be like, what is this show in general? So we thought about a few different things. We've been circling a few different things. And I think we kind of finally landed on something. Mm -hmm. We were really close to like doing a show that all took place in a police station, just because I have always, I think I always play authority figures and I like the idea (laughs) of being a cop or something. And we were going to be two guys in the drunk tank, like whining and stuff. (laughs) But then it was, we were pretty far on locking into that as the idea. And then just with the news, uh, just with what cops are in America right now, yeah. it was like, who would want to see two white guys <laughs> do a show about cops? Like, forget it. Like, <laughs> at, like there's only two options. One is like, we address what's going right. on, which is like, who cares about our take? Yeah. Or two is like, we don't address it and just do a silly show. And we don't mm. talk about the seriousness of cops in America right now, which also feels like weirdly, I don't know, not irresponsible, but just like you, would you would really, what should be happening is like the guys in white women or some of the funnier, right. like African-American performers at UCB should be doing a show about cops.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, not us. Actually, my, <clears throat> my, my buddy Brody Reed is a really funny stand up, he, He just had a tweet a few weeks ago that was just like, it was when something, I think it was right around Charlotte or something. Mm -hmm. And he just tweeted like, we need an all black remake of Police Academy. <laughs> and i texted him i was like that's like a million dollar idea like yeah. that would be the funniest and like you get chris rock as some like grizzled old captain <laughs> who's like starts his own black only police academy you know it'd be like that scene in neighbors Two where they're cops hannibal and jared car gerard carmichael mm-hmm. you know be that for two hours but i think like that's the kind of thing people want to see about cops not jacob and i uh so now we're circling some other stuff we're trying to figure out some other but that's basically the process Mm -hmm. of how we're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what it might be
0: yeah so i feel like um like most spanks or those shows that get runs are kind of just very much not that themed you know like not that strictly themed like they're very like sketch to sketch to sketch kind of Mm -hmm. so uh do you think well what do you think is the best way to go about doing one of those things
1: I think it is strong to lean into an overall theme, Mm -hmm. just given the format. Like, if you want just a half hour of sketch to sketch to sketch, SNL style, Mm -hmm. you should do mod. You should be trying to get on a mod team or doing mod because that's exactly what it is. And they have good theme stuff too, but Mm -hmm. mainly it's you know sketch to sketch to sketch. Um, And they're good at it. It's a well-oiled machine at this point. Um, So I think what's cool about having a show that starts as a spank and then taking it out is it can, it can be really specific to who the performers are and what they want to do. So I think like, but I think it's, I think it's cool to have a big theme to hang your hat on that people can be like, Oh, that show they can describe it word of mouth in, you know, a couple words. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, Devin and Jacob have that show where they're like the drug anti-drug guys or like, um, like Seinfeld, the purge was like a huge show spank show that ran for a long time at UCB. I think partially because like, that's the easiest pitch in the world. It's an episode of Seinfeld where it's the purge, you know, like it's so the log line of that is so clear and that's one whole theme. Um, so i think it's impo- i think it 's to your benefit to lean into something like that um because a that 's like the first note you 'll get from the artistic director. It was the first note we got when we put up no hard drugs and it was more of a sketch show was he was just like let 's just find it like your anti drug speakers are- fun- way funnier than these four sketches you tried to force down our throats like why don 't we just like do that mm-hmm. uh, and he was absolutely, that was Mike Still's note, and he was totally right, and he like, fundamentally changed the whole show. At first, we were like, at first, we were like, fuck that. Like, He doesn't know what he's talking about. And then, not, not, that, not that we were like, fuck Mike Still. <laughs> but we were just like, I don't know if that is the note. I don't know if we agree with that note. And then when we sat down and kind of played with it, we were like, yeah, his note was 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lean more into theme. But then sometimes you see it where the theme is really being forced, and you're just like, "Ah, oh, forget it. Mm-hmm. but I think theme is the way to go, but it's about making that whatever it is for you. Like, yeah, I think it just depends. But in general, I think that's a smart way to to it. Something smart to at least shoot for. If you're doing like a show that runs like that, as opposed to mod night, because mm-hmm. you're asking people to come out and see it in a different way, you know? And I think it's cooler to have like, this is my signature show, you know, like something like drew Tarver's tween fest was like, um you know him doing all these characters is just a great character showcase for Drew uh but had such a specific theme of it's Coachella for tweens and mm-hmm. that's the world right. where we're seeing these people just you know and that's not even a huge like it's a great concept i don't i don't mean to say it's not clever or something but it's not like it's not beyond your grasp to come up with like Coachella for tweens right. and it's just recognizing that that's a really smart thing that Brad and Nick picked as as their sh- what they were going to write their show about. Yeah, so I think that's a cool way mm. to go.
0: I uh, I saw your character reel online. Oh, God.
1: I, <laughs> which one did you see?
0: Uh, I saw a recent one. Because so.
1: there was one that uh, was supposed to be private, was like oh. for internal use for my manager only, and then like I looked myself up recently and was like, uh, why is this video available to people? Is it <laughs> me wearing this brown T-shirt against a white wall?
0: It might be, yeah. yeah. oh i feel bad now no 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 please yeah um well i love the characters you know like the the conspiracy theorists that just been dumped oh thanks yeah that's Um, that's one i like to do yeah so how how do you come up with characters like that i I noticed too like you you have very good specifics like sarah can do graphic design anywhere that was so funny (laughs) thanks
1: yeah yeah the the bit there is just a guy ranting against conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy theories just being like, man, we're, we're, this country's so fucked, man. And we, when you read about the Bilderberger group and like blah, blah, and you just think like, maybe this country wouldn't be so fucked if Sarah hadn't moved to Toronto. You know, it's just a guy <laughs> depressed that his girlfriend moved away. I don't know how I came up with that one. Um, what was the origin of that? I think just like being fascinated by conspiracy theory type stuff. And I think that hook of... He was just dumped. I think that just kind of came yeah. to me one day, kind of thinking about how can I write a guy like this? Just because it like under, consp- especially like, okay, so that's like a conspiracy, a weird, like a, t- a guy I know, a guy my age who is like deep into Reddit or some bullshit and is like hardcore YouTube conspiracy theory documentaries. And it's just like a dickhead to people at parties about it or whatever. Um, that's a real person to me. And then it felt like a fun way to, maybe I was just looking for a fun way to undercut his like authority, his sort of blustery authority by having him be like, and eh, it's all coming because he's like mad at a woman, which feels true to me about like those kind of internet guys. It's like, right. They're just fundamentally pissed off at women in some way. <laughs> and so it makes him like pathetic. It gives him a pathetic edge, which I like. Um, I don't have as much of like a bench of character stuff and Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I've been trying to sort of work on it for different like opportunities basically. Um, But it's tricky. I think it's just about coming up with like a really specific, it's just, it's just something's got to grab you uh, in a way that you're like, I could be this kind of person or I could play this kind of guy. Like um, two of the characters that I do that I like the most are, um, I don't do, I've never done this one like on stage, but I've done it in a couple auditions and it might've been on the character reel, but it's a white record producer from a Motown biopic just cause like, I love Motown biopics and they're all exactly the same. And there's always a scene like a third of the way through of like the producer who doesn't believe Ray Charles is going to be a hit <laughs> for whatever reason. So I just really like, and it's just a Phil Hartman ripoff. I just really like doing, a voice like that that's just like white kids aren't ready to listen to this kind of music it's sexual you know like i just like that i like the idea of i would love to shoot that as a video of because just because i would love to dress up in that costume and be in that record studio set and play that guy with the hornroom glasses from 1961 right. <laughs> so that's just like genre play that i really like i think i think about genres a lot in terms of that stuff and the other character that I really like doing is David Lynch, and I've done that on stage a few times oh, at UCB. I, I, saw,
0: I saw that video. There's a video of yeah, you doing. It. Yeah,
1: cool. Yeah, I. Um, that's that's one that I really like to do, just because that feels like a cool. He's a cool example of someone that's like specific and people all kind of know, everyone sort of knows his name, but a lot of people don't totally know his deal, but you kind of know what his specifics are. So even if it works great for people who know and love David Lynch and people who don't know him at all, because he kind of hits a sweet spot with that. And it's just that that was just like my dad was a huge David Lynch fan growing up. So I saw a bunch of those movies and saw a bunch of his interviews. And I just think he's such a great weird figure. Um, so I think it's, it's just sort of whatever grabs you like that. And mm-hmm. it's either like a genre thing that grabs you or like a specific personality that grabs you. Yeah. But I, I, I wish I had more of that kind of character writing going on. Mm-hmm. So it's something I'm trying to do more is do more like character bits. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, so you do stand up, yeah. sketch, uh, TV writing. How do you know what's like, which idea fits which medium? Interesting. Um I think luckily
1: those mediums are pretty separate. Okay. You kind of start figuring out what like the lines of those are. Mm-hmm. Like, um I think the trickiest one is like knowing if something is like a stand up idea or not. Cause so much of stand up is like some big concept, maybe even like a sketch like concept that you're kind of acting out on stage mm-hmm. by yourself. Um so, something is stand up if it's like a, if it's like a personal story, if it's like a monologue, then that feels like that's gotta be stand up um or if it's like a stray observation that is maybe not sometimes it's like if it's a sketch idea that doesn't have legs past the first like beat, then it maybe is stand up I guess I guess that would be how I think of that, where you know, and then um. And something that can be performed by one person. And something that like needs a little framing and setup, maybe, more than a mm-hmm. sketch would. That sort of feels like stand-up to me. Uh, and then, but a lot of my stamp is like observational-based. So it's usually like if it's personal or observational, I'll do stand-up. Then sketch is just like, is more character-based. And you can kind of feel, especially if it's like live sketch or video sketch or something. Live sketch is like a really specific thing to write for. Cause it's like very theatrical. Right. It's not like a single camera, like sketch where you can get sort of subtle laughs in these different ways. It's like, you got to go big and have like hard punchlines and big, like stagey moments. So I think when you kind of have an idea like that, you can sort of feel like, okay, this needs to be like a bigger theatrical thing. Um Then I think where stuff gets more nebulous and hard to figure out is like TV or movie ideas or, things like that because you're trying to kind of figure out like, like I had this one idea sort of kick around in my head for a long time that I'm like, I think this is like a graphic novel and Uh. I'm just like, I'm not going to write a graphic novel probably (laughs) because a, I can't draw at all. And you know, it was just, it would be like a huge undertaking, but I'm like, that's what it feels like. But maybe it's a show or a book or a movie. I don't know. That's like one idea that I don't know. Um, So I think it gets trickier with that. Sometimes like I've written, you know, enough pilots and stuff that i'm like okay this is. and sometimes you're sitting down to be like i I gotta write a new half hour tv comedy pilot Mm -hmm. and so you're just so you start within that parameter Uh, and i think a lot of the realities of writing is just that is like you start with a specific assignment that's when it's easiest is when you have like a specific Mm -hmm. assignment that either you give yourself or someone else did um so yeah in terms of navigating the ideas I think it's like pretty straightforward in terms of like live performance stuff, sketch stand up or whatever. But then when it's like a bigger idea that you might spend a lot of time with, like a feature screenplay idea or a novel or something like that, then I think it's harder to find exactly what the spot is. Mm -hmm. And now it's a lot of things of like like a classmate of mine pitched her ideas to some people right after graduating and they were like, Hmm, this might not be a movie yet. Write the book and come back. And so she wrote the book, sold it, optioned the trilogy. It's like going to be made by Universal. <laughs> oh, like, wow. She like totally, she wrote the young adult <laughs> novel and they were like, great. Now this is like something we can totally Interesting. make. So, but it was a movie idea for mm-hmm. her first. So there's, um, there's different starting points. Do, do you do like prose writing? Not really. Okay. It's so hard. Right, yeah. Writing in general is so hard, but writing prose is really, really hard. Right. Um, Like, the few times I've tried to sit down and do this, I just sound like such a dick. Like, (laughs) you're just like, the sentence is so long and so over the top and, like, the words are too flowery. It's really hard to, like, write a conversational authentic style. Um, in prose.
0: Well, it's kind of like you said, where you have to get like your uh, your bad stuff out. Totally, and yeah. I've done like
1: nothing to get right. my bad stuff. out. I've done so little. I wish I'd done more writing in that style. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, like my brother uh was in the he's in the army and he did a tour of duty in Afghanistan and he wrote. Uh, he just kind of finished writing sort of a sort of a journaly, uh, memoir, like a journal of his experiences Mm -hmm. and so he sent it to me and I read it and it was very good but he was also we were relating about struggling over like yeah he's like I write this and I just Mm -hmm. I hate reading it because it just doesn't sound like me and it's very hard to do that in prose right
0: um so you've written for Billy on the Street yes and Workaholics that's right how did those jobs come about
1: Billy on the Street came about because um I was in sort of this circuit where I had representation, I had a manager, and you. then when you're at that level and you're sort of an entry-level comedy person, you just get a million packets of like, okay. submit to Fallon, submit to Conan, blah, blah, blah. And so Billy on the Street was one of them. And last year, they um, Billy interviewed me over Skype last year to maybe be a contributor, and which was so exciting. And then I got, they were like, great, you're going to contribute. And then my contribution my contribution ended up being one email of 15 jokes one time. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, right, whatever. They sent me a little check. I was like, okay. Um, but then a f- uh, around in like March or February, he was starting to write the new season in New York, but he was out in LA for business. And so he, funny or die, put together a little LA writers round table on a Saturday afternoon. And they asked me to do it because I'd been a contributor. So it was me and a couple other stand ups and um, some people who had written for Billy before. And I think he just liked me enough in the room. I think mm-hmm. I was like slightly more confident in the room than some of the other people there, if I had to like guess why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he asked me to come out to New York and write for him. So I was out there for five weeks in that room, which was great.
0: What are the uh, like bits like? So you, are you just writing like the game yeah. parts?
1: You're yeah. You're writing questions. For his games, you're writing game ideas. Mm-hmm. He'll have a specific person that he's like, we need some ideas about this person. Or It was a really really good assignment-based uh, thing where he'd mm-hmm. be like, we need a bunch of jokes about Julie Andrews for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so you'd just like, write a bunch of joke things about her. We need jokes about Tompkins Square Park. And you'd write jokes about that. Right. Um, so we'd kind of walk in and have an assignment every day. That would be like we need seven uh, seven ideas for this, mm-hmm. ten ideas for this. So I really responded to that because it was really short form, kind of punchy joke writing, but in a really specified way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was, and he was the best. Mm-hmm. He was just like a great boss and uh, just a really. The show is really funny. That's yeah. kind of what I locked into once mm-hmm. we were pitching bits around. I was like. No bit that we discussed in my five weeks there was something I did not think was funny. Right, right. Like, there was no biting my tongue. I'm like, eh, it's okay. I was like, this is a really funny show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that was great. And so now you're on Workaholics? Yeah, I just finished. Mm-hmm. I've, it was my last week, like, two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I got that through... Um, basically, through my manager, I ended up getting considered to do stand-up on Adam Devine's House Party on Comedy Central, which was my first... And which I booked and was my first TV stand up appearance, and that aired in March. And we shot it in December. And a lot of the crew and production people are the same. So then, when the Workaholics last season was happening, I basically had my foot in the door just through that. And so I was able to get an interview. And so I was the only new hired writer for this season, oh, which great. was their last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did that for the last 10 weeks. Nice. Um, it was great. It was mm-hmm. a really good, low key writer's room. Really, really funny people. Um, the three guys themselves were in the room a lot mm-hmm. pretty much every day, which I love. Like, they have no reason to do that right. at this point, you know? Like, they could totally mm-hmm. be coasting. Um, but I love that they give a shit. I think partially because the show is so based in their own voice, right? That it's like the last thing that happens with scripts there is like they do a final pass on an episode script that's kind of just the three of them and the showrunner, I think. Um, just putting it in their words, uh, which I think is what makes the show so good. Right. Um, and I think they, I think they get written, uh, I, I, there's so much more than just like bro humor. It's, it's such a better show than that. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I think a lot of people reduce it to that, but that's what was sort of the, was so cool about writing for that was, oh, this is a really specific, fun voice. And these guys are great performers to write for. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Mm -hmm.
0: How many episodes did you uh, write? I only wrote one. They only
1: do, they're doing 10 episodes, but I didn't even, it didn't even look like I was maybe going to get one just because like it's the last season and everyone was sort of getting an episode. But luckily, like right at the end, I was able to get my first episode. So it's going to be my first episode of TV with my name on it. Very cool. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. And it was, that was a fun one because it was like not an episode idea I had pitched, it was something else that had come up in the room. And, um, So it was kind of like an assignment, you know, it was very sort of clearly outlined for me and the idea was already set. So I got to be sort of less precious about it. So the writing of it was kind of just, just doing it and just attacking it. It was really, it was really fun to do. Mm -hmm. It was fun to write in those guys' voice and uh, uh, there's a table read of it next week. So we'll see how it holds up. (laughs) But yeah, it was great. All
0: right, we're going to wrap up with you critiquing some jokes I wrote. These are like one-liner, like Facebook or Twitter jokes.
1: When you said that this was a part of this, <clears throat> yeah. we ended up critiquing something yeah. you wrote. I was like, good good for you, man. Interesting choice. I, I don't right. want to be, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be diplomatic, well, but honest.
0: I think some of these suck, so. Gotcha. All right. And
1: so what am I supposed to give you a thumbs up or thumbs yeah, down? Just or, whatever a comments. A just comments. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, good.
0: Masturbate globally. Fuck locally. <laughs> That's good. That's a pretty good one, right?
1: It's good. It's it, it's hard to start a joke with masturbate. the word masturbate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like not even a slide into the concept of masturbation. Yeah. Just masturbating. Those aren't, aren't the the, uh, the Conan uh, setups. <laughs> no, right yeah, right. the Conan right. setups aren't quite like that. But I do like uh, I do like the play on that phrase. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. aggressive, but it's good.
0: <laughs> All right, one for one. <laughs> um, always watching bridesmaids, never watching father of the brides. <laughs> Kept sensing a a pattern. I didn't realize I should have, I should have, uh, (laughs) I should have not done that one. I I like that, I
1: like that a lot. Um, I like that mainly because my girlfriend and I just got drunk recently and Mm -hmm. watched both Father of the Bride movies, which I had not Uh, seen all the way through, and so I just like Father of the Bride. Uh, it's the creepiest movie in the world, and I invite you to watch it. I haven't seen it. Um, Steve Martin wants to fuck his daughter so bad in that movie. (laughs) Like if you watch it with that subtext, it's just like, wow, it's, he's just like, she'll walk down the stairs and it'll be slow motion and his voiceover will be like, there she is. <laughs> you know, it's just like really, it's meant to be very sweet and fatherly, but the way they linger on their relationship is weird. So thumbs up to that joke.
0: Okay. I didn't even realize that. I, I didn't even think. Cause I was just pulling random stuff. No, Those it's the, good. I that's mean, the same structure. Yeah, you got it. Okay. This one's different. Okay. This one's probably bad. So here okay. you
1: go. You're, well, good, good sell.
0: Okay. Mr. Johnson? Don't call me that. That's my father's name. Please call me Mr. Johnson Jr. A very soft punchline yeah. to that yeah <laughs> yep i
1: mean the math of that is all there yes that's <laughs> technically a joke yeah yeah i think just with uh with a format like that you gotta really be surprising <laughs> or or you know what i'll defend that joke you either have to be surprising or so on the nose in a norm mcdonald way that you're just like that's it yeah that's all i wrote yeah I'll give that a, right. a half thumbs up.
0: Three, uh, two and a half for three. Great. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, Devin, thanks for oh, doing the show. A, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Do you have anything there. to plug besides workaholics? God, what
1: do I have to plug? Um, uh, you can just follow me on Twitter at Uh And I usually post there about shows and stuff. But um, come see my team Zuzu on Herald Night and um, any stand-up shows that I might tweet out about. That's it.
0: All right, cool. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Comedy Writing. Make sure to watch Workaholics when it premieres January 11th on Comedy Central. And check out Billing on the Street, airing right now, Tuesdays on True TV. Also, definitely check out Devin's Herald team, Zuzu's, dates on the UCB website. They play Franklin and Sunset all the time. I also want to thank Nick Doss for supplying the sweet, sweet tunes, and Zachary Glassman for providing the awesome logo. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and like and follow on Comedy Writing on Facebook and Twitter. See you on Wednesday.